The countdown to summer is on. Wenatchee Apple Sox Baseball returns on June 2nd, and it's time to meet the newest members of the 2023 team with this week's roster release. Here are your hosts, the voice of the Apple Sox, Joel Norman, and head coach, Mitch Darlington. Inching closer to the start of Wenatchee Apple Sox baseball season. Summer right around the corner, temperatures slowly climbing their way up. I know they've gone back and forth a couple of times, but baseball definitely on our minds here in mid to beginning to get into later April. I'm Joel Norman. We're joined by the head coach of the Apple Sox, Mitch Darlington, and it's time for another Apple Sox roster release podcast as we get set to dive into five more new members of this team. And Mitch, this week we kind of changed things up a little bit last few weeks. There's, you know, I don't want to say there hasn't been a theme because there has been a good group of guys we've been looking at. But I think this week is really fun in particular because we're looking at guys who are going to be at, you know, big name schools in the state of Washington, which I think our fans will enjoy, especially for following them after their times with the Apple Sox. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's always fun for our fans to be able to see those schools they recognize, you know, the Washington States, the Gonzagas, the UW's. You know, and not only recognize, but when it's in-state schools that, you know, they follow and are, are probably fans of, it just it's, it just means a little more for them to be able to see a player coming from one of those schools or headed into one of those schools. And uh, definitely fun to follow them even after they're, uh, after they're gone out of an Apple Sox uniform. Always good to keep an eye on them. And speaking of following guys after they leave an Apple Sox uniform, we've got to touch on the 20th player in Apple Sox history who used to play for the team and then went on to appear in a major league game. Mitch, I was out of town. I'm always out of Wenatchee, but I was out of uh, where I currently live in Lincoln, Nebraska. I was on the road in North Dakota. And right before leaving to get ready for a game, I caught this headline that Casey Legomina, who had previously also pitched at Gonzaga, pitched for the Apple Sonics in 2016. He was making his major league debut on Saturday afternoon. Had a pretty good one. I don't know if you got a chance to see any of the highlights from that one, but did a, a pretty nice job in relief for the Cincinnati Reds. Tossed two scoreless innings, struck out three, and just walked one, only allowing one hit and a big win for them, 13 to nothing over the Philadelphia Phillies. Pretty cool that we've hit that now. 20 players who played for the Apple Sox who have then gone on to play in the major leagues. Yeah, those, those are always fun to see as well. You know, me and my wife were talking last weekend, and we like to just kind of guess on who's going to be, you know. It seems like every year there's always one or two guys that either – you know, make it up to AAA or, um, you know, now we're appearing in, you know, in pro baseball. So it's fun to kind of take your guess on, you know, what what guy from last summer's team is going to make it. And, you know, it's a little more personal, personable for me, um, you know, thinking about the guys I've coached. It's definitely fun to see these guys that are alumni and and them succeeding and going on. But there's not that close connection like uh, like I would have with some guys I've coached. So. Yeah, it was it was neat. It's, it was Legomina played for a team that was two years before I started with the Apple Sox, so not quite like you mentioned, like that close connection yet. But it was neat to see because each of the last three former Apple Sox players to make their ML de- MLB debut came from that 2016 team. And Mitch, that was not a, a that was not a good team <laughs> to put it quite simply. It was not a good Apple Sox team that summer. In fact, it was the team with the worst record in any West Coast League season that the Apple Sox have been a part of. And remember, they helped found the West Coast League back in uh, 2005. But that team that year, not good. 19-35 and 35 overall. They've had three players recently make their Major League debuts from that group. So it kind of shows you, though, that each summer you don't know what you're getting, and sometimes the results on the field 
aren't exactly uh, indicative of the talent that you might have sometimes. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you see it all the time in baseball or basketball, any, any sport really where you get these teams that are super talented and uh, it, a lot of it is just putting it all together and just having chemistry and playing for each other and, and, and having that kind of will to win. I felt like last summer, even when we were, you know, in mid July, we probably had the most talent at any point we had all summer. And, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't always result in wins. Um, and then towards the end of the summer, we kind of picked up a lot of JC, some local guys who were just scrappy and ready to play. And, and, uh, we just, we, we fell, uh, we fell together and, uh, kind of fought for each other and played for each other. And, uh, it, it started resulting in some W's. So, you know, talent's talent is definitely a good thing to have, but, it's not the end all be all. And, and especially in summer baseball, you know, you, you just can't, you can't figure out what's on the guy's mind that day or on a kid's heart or, you know, guys can go through slumps in the summer or just not be as motivated to play as they would in the spring. And so um, you just, you just kind of take it with a grain of salt, I guess. <laughs> no, it's a fair point. Just to touch on Legomina a little bit more for fans who maybe did remember him or didn't know a ton about him. He was a guy who pitched in five games for the Apple songs in 2016 Shortly before, actually in the middle of his Apple Sox tenure, because that's when the draft would have taken place, it would have been in June that year, he was selected in the draft that year by the Toronto Blue Jays, but went on to still, he didn't sign with them and ended up pitching for the Apple Sox. So kind of worked out. It was nice. I got a chance to see him Had a 490 ERA in five games, 10 strikeouts, seven walks, 10 hits and seven in the third. Uh, probably best outing he had when he recorded a save against Corvallis on June 11th of 2016 two strikeouts in that scoreless ninth inning but a guy who would go on to get drafted by the minnesota twins eventually uh, being acquired by the cincinnati reds but great college career for him as well at gonzaga as we're touching on a zag here in a little bit it's worth bringing that up legamina 373 era over three seasons with gonzaga 117 strikeouts to just 31 walks over 130 and a third innings in that time. So he was a guy who really locked down that closers role for them. I uh, had the 13 saves for them in 2017. So phenomenal player with the Zags. And then nice to see him make his way up to the major leagues. But Mitch, that's three guys now who have made their MLB debut just since the end of the Apple Sox 2022 season. Who knows? We might get another one up there to get to uh, to 21 uh, before the start of our season on June 2nd. Any other former Apple Sox players to touch on maybe before we introduce uh, this week's roster additions, Mitch? Anyone you can think of who did anything big over the past weekend? Uh, You know, I, n- none coming to mind right now. You know, really was kind of following UW series with Arizona State this weekend and uh, kind of following the Coug series this weekend as they took two out of three from Arizona. So, you know, more just kind of going up. Uh, I've been fo- following a lot of just Pac-12 baseball recently and just kind of tuning in where I can to watch those games. You know, none, none are jumping out. We, we have some guys this week that we'll talk about who uh, one of them had a pretty big week for his team. So uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, so without further ado, let's dive into this week's roster announcements. And Mitch, who are we starting off with our first player? Kind of a familiar name for some fans. Yeah, since we're talking about some, uh, just mentioned in the Cougs, we'll talk about an incoming uh, incoming freshman at Washington State. He actually threw for us last summer in a non-league game. He's a local pitcher out of Chelan High School, and that's Braden Boyd. So Braden's one that I've been able to follow uh, kind of the last couple of years. For maybe our fans who don't know, I moved to Chelan about four years ago, became the athletic director up at Mansfield. And so, um, you know, I... <laughs> Of course, I'm going to all the local Chelan basketball games and baseball games, and 
Braden's been nothing but a prep star, man. He he's a big time basketball player, big time baseball player, and uh, he's a left handed pitcher. Uh, his Chelan baseball has had some really good success the last couple of years. They went to state the last two times and uh, some final four finishes, and he's been a big reason for that. Kind of a mid to upper 80s fastball, um, you know, not a guy that's really known for having a real high velo, but just mixes speeds real well, um, has good change and a good breaking pitch that he can throw for strikes, you know, and and like I've mentioned a million times before, him just being a local talent, you know, and and, and going to a division one school like Washington State, it's just, it's a no brainer for me. You, you got to keep guys like that on your roster, not, not only for the talent level, but also just for the Wenatchee Valley and the fans sake to to be able to go out and watch a guy that they uh, have seen, you know, play at the high school level. And now they'll get to see at the college level. What do you see that maybe stood out about him from his, his time pitching with the Apple Sox? It was just two innings, but you know, it was a guy who you wanted to get a kind of a little bit of a tease to look at him because you were thinking about signing him for this season at the time, weren't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I kind of had it in my brain, you know, that we'd get Braden on board with the Apple Sox and, uh, you know, I, I've been able to go out and watch Shalan play and been able to see him pitch. And um, the big thing that jumps out is he's super projectable, but he's also got the right demeanor for a pitcher. Um, you know, I'll, t- I'll talk a little bit about the projectable. You know, he's a big kid. I, I want to say he's 6'4", left-handed, like I mentioned. And so a lot of room to grow for him. You know, he's starting to put some muscle on his frame. And, and as a college coach, you know that velo is going to keep climbing anytime you see a big projectable kid like him. And then the demeanor, you know, he's just kind of a naturally calm guy. You know, he's super competitive, but he has that poise and that demeanor about him on the mound where he's not going to get super rattled by giving up a hit or whatever it may be. He just kind of stays calm and present and in the moment and, and makes pitches. And, you know, for him last summer to be able to come out and, you know, get a start on the mound for us against uh, <clears throat> the Cascade Collegiate League, whether it be non-league or not. I mean, he's going into his senior year of high school. And for him to be able to just come out and be poised and, and through a, a few good innings for us there, uh, that says a lot about him. Um, so really excited to see how he's going to take that next step. And he's going to be one of those that you're just going to see grow from from June till the end of August. He'll, he'll just be a completely different guy by the time he leaves us. It's I'm glad you brought that up, that when he pitched for the Apple Sox last year, he was doing that prior to what turned out to be his senior year of high school. It's just it's just something you don't see that happen. You know, like you don't see guys get opportunities in the West Coast League that way. Um, you know, Cody Simmons, a Wenatchee kid as well. He did that a few years ago. It was in a non-league game. He was you know serving the whole summer as a I think it was 2014. He was serving as just a bullpen catcher. And then before you know it, he got tossed into a non-league game. But you don't see guys do that. I imagine that was a game he was probably pretty excited about because that was his first taste of college action. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And the conversations with me and him and his dad, you know, he's mentioned before, like, there's no other team I'd rather play for than the Apple Sox. He kind of reminds me of that uh, mentality of like a Quincy Vassar where, uh, you know, he's grown up in the Valley. He's followed the Apple Sox. And, you know, this is kind of a come full circle moment for him and for him to be able to suit up and play for his hometown team. Uh, I think it's pretty special for him. And, you know, I, I, I know for me, it's it's pretty special to be able to keep a local guy uh, on our roster. So, yeah, definitely, definitely impressed by by the poise and the demeanor and just and just the confidence, you know, I mean, you're not even 18 yet and you're you're suiting up next to, you know, 23, 24 year old grown men who are playing division one baseball. It's it's not the easiest thing to do in the world, man. 
Yeah, really tough, but I, th- I thought he was impressive in that span. That one game that he pitched for the Apple Sox, as we mentioned back in the uh, non-league game last year, back on August 1st against the Cascade Collegiate League Showcase team. Two innings, one run on two hits, but no walks and three strikeouts in that time. So really good stuff in that regard, and nice for him to get a taste at the uh, at the West Coast League and the collegiate level. It was also nice to see a little bit of green and white in the stands. I saw a lot of Chelan fans up for that game, if you remember that one. Yeah, absolutely. It seemed like uh, the whole high school baseball team was there to kind of root him on that night. And plus, we had a couple other Chelan guys last summer with us. So, you know, definitely fun to, to keep that connection with the Apple Sox. Heading off to Washington State, as we mentioned, uh, joining the Cougs. And Mitch, that kind of leads us into our next player who we're going to be talking about joining the Apple Sox. Another guy is currently, this time, this one is currently with Washington State, unlike Boyd, who will be an incoming freshman, who's the second player that we're going to introduce for this week. Yeah, second guy, you know, another Washington State, uh, another Coug, uh, is Ty Kennedy. Uh, I'm going to start off by saying I think he is one of those dark horse Apple Sox guys that you need to keep your eye on if you're a fan. I think he he is one of those could come out. We don't know a lot about him, and he could end up having a huge summer for us. He is the definition of a true utility guy. Just with our phone calls and conversations the last couple weeks, He's going to be out here opening day where he's kind of slated right now for our, that opening week to be our shortstop just because we have none of our other middle infielders coming in. And that's a position that he played all through high school with shortstop, um, was recruited out into Washington State at, at shortstop. And and then this fall has kind of converted to a corner outfielder type, has played some third base for him a little bit, not not in the spring games, but just in practice and inner squad. So he's one of those players that it would not surprise me to see him play six or seven different positions over the course of this summer for us. I, I could see him, you know, coming in, being our shortstop. And then when guys like Sebastian David and Reeve Boyd start filtering in, him bumping out to corner outfield, him playing a little third base when we need him to, he just kind of, he just kind of does it all. He, he's got good speed, good defensively, wherever you want to stick him. And and just a good baseball player. So I'm, I'm really excited about Ty. I think he's one that we uh, we need to keep our eye on. Six or seven different positions. That's that's exciting. We, we didn't we didn't really have a ton of guys like that last year, Mitch. I mean, there were a couple who maybe it was a first maybe it was like a Ponce. You know, he played first. He played third, a little bit of outfield. But he was primarily over at third base or maybe DHing sometimes. It wasn't like he was bouncing game to game. But not, but not a lot of guys like that last year. How versatile is that for you to have this kind of option to come off the bench, to start each night, to kind of spell guys certain night? How big is that for you as a head coach? Oh, it's really important. And, uh, you know, you mentioned last summer. That was kind of kind of a thing I was keeping in the back of my mind as I did a little recruiting this fall was, you know, you, you touched on it. We didn't have a lot of true utility guys last year. We had a lot of guys who just, hey, I play third base and that's what I play. Hey, I, you know. Even Joichiro, for a sense, he pretty much was just playing second base. Some games we stuck him over at short, but, you know, we had a lot of guys that were just kind of locked into one spot, um, and it made it tough with the 10-day contracts, and as we got towards the end of the season, it, it just made it difficult to to be able to move guys around. And so, you know, this summer when uh, Washington State offered, hey, we you know, we got Ty Kennedy, he, he plays middle infield, but he also has been playing a lot of corner outfield for us, and he, we've played him at third, and he looks good there, and play just about anywhere that was one I just thought I I, I need to jump on something like that just because it, it gives me more options and it gives him more options of getting in our lineup every day so 
it's going to be nice to have just just like we mentioned you know he's going to come out here and you know opening weekend we'll probably see him at shortstop and you know and then as we get into summer we'll probably see him out out in the outfield so uh it, it'll be nice to have kind of a Dylan Moore like player then I think Mariners fans will appreciate that guy who can kind of go in wherever needed uh you need guys like that on playoff teams though Mitch you have every good playoff team who goes on a decent run they have players like that at every level of baseball yeah yeah and and you know and for his sake as well I mean if he's seen it well at the dish and he's really hitting you know it just gives him more options of getting in our lineup you know if, if he's hot it, it's just hey, you know, someone else may be hot in the middle infield. Let's go stick tie out in right field and let him play and and, and see what he does out there. So uh, it just makes him more versatile and and him, you know, uh, just a, easier to get into your lineup. Really cool to have a guy like that. As we mentioned, hasn't played at Washington State yet this spring. Uh, he's from Parker, Colorado, came to the Cougs with plenty of acclaim. Sixth best overall prospect. In Colorado by perfect game, also ranked as their number 92 shortstop on their rankings entering uh, this this coming year. Um, two really good years. Legend High School, he batted 388 over 40 games in two years. 420 batting average with eight extra base hits in 2021. Hard to top that batting average, but he added way more extra base hits the next year. 371 average, 19 extra base hits a year ago as a senior. Also in the two years combined to steal 20 bags. This is a guy, Mitch, I mean, we kind of been harping on this a little bit, kind of just sounds like a Mitch Darlington type of ball player. You know, the guy who can play some positions, he can steal some bags, he can do some damage at the plate. It just seems like that kind of guy who is going to be the MO of a type of player you want on your team. Yeah, and and really one of the biggest selling points uh, when I was talking to Coach Claggett at Washington State was he was just bringing up Ty's energy. And he's like, this kid's just one of those guys. He's got great energy every time he steps on the field. So uh, you know, especially in summer baseball, man, you get into the dog days of summer. I love guys like this. You know, I want guys that are kind of rallying the troops, the guys that, you know, play with a little bit of edge, a little bit of toughness and just that energy that you, you can't quite explain it. They just bring a little bit of juice to your lineup and and uh, and get guys flowing. So I, I'm, I'm excited to have Ty with us. And uh, I, again, I think he's a name that our fans need to keep an eye on. He He, he might just end up having a big summer for us. So that's another guy on the Apple Sox with a connection with Washington State. We talked about, obviously, other releases that we've done. We had Brandon Ponce already, who was one of the returners announced as joining the team. Uh, we mentioned Braden Boyd, who's an incoming freshman there. Nice to have this connection with the Cougs here. I, I think a lot of teams in the, the West Coast League are fighting to get those guys from Washington State and Gonzaga. But, you know, how valuable is that for you when you look at the guys who are getting? looks like there's a lot of quality with them. Oh, definitely big for us. Um, you know, when you start your recruiting, that's kind of where you start. You start in state and you just kind of outsource from there. And so establishing good connections with the Washington states, the UWs, the Gonzagas, you know, those in-state uh, or even the Northwest schools, you know, your Oregon states and Oregon's, you want to kind of establish good relationships with them and then outsource from there and, and, and start going outward, but big for us, big for us to keep having good cougs. And, uh, you know, it seems like they never send you a bad one. So uh, always good to have them on our roster. So we talked about a position player here who almost a positionless player because he can go so many places. We started on the mound and now we're going to go back to the mound for our third player to announce this week here, Mitch. 
Yeah, third guy comes to us from Arizona, out of high school of Arizona, heading to Gonzaga next year. He'll be an incoming freshman. He's a right-handed arm. His name's Sam Round. You know, Sam. Sam's going to be interesting for us. He's another sneaky one that uh, might surprise some people. Uh, upper 80s fastball, again, kind of like Braden, a good a good three-pitch mix, throws a changeup and a good breaker. But the big thing with Gonzaga, man, is they it just seems like they recruit talented arms, you know, whether it's on their pitching staff right now or, you know, guys they're bringing in, you know, it's a credit to Brandon Harmon, their pitching coach, but it just seems like they really develop guys really well and they recruit really talented arms. I, you know, I don't know if that's just they got a good knack for seeing it, but I, I always just trust that whatever they're going to send our way, it's it's going to be a good one. So. Excited to have Sam come up here this summer and just kind of get a taste of the Northwest before he uh, bounces over to Spokane and joins the Zags. And uh, I I think he's going to end up having a good summer for us. You look at the numbers for Sam, kind of a small sample size, but the ERA in high school has been a little bit higher. Nine nine games last year, 618 ERA, 5'10 this year, currently as a senior in eight games. It's really small. You mentioned that 5'10, but even in there, he still tossed a complete game. He still come out of the bullpen and recorded a couple of saves. We've talked about this a few other times. It's a little harder to go off of stats in the sense we don't know what type of level these guys are you know, performing at, or like what, what the talent level is, whether it's at a high school, certain colleges as well. I think for us, when I, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, Mitch, but the only givens we really have where we can truly evaluate the numbers are what they've done in the West Coast League, Division one, because we're more familiar with those in general, more games, more opportunities. You're familiar with who the opponents are. But it's almost like when you go down from there, it kind of varies league to league, whether, you know, is that high ERA a sign that the guy's struggling or is it a sign of that's an offensive heavy league? But, you know, maybe this guy's pitching better than that looks. Right. Yeah. There's so many different variables that go into you know, an inflated or deflated ERA. Um, like you mentioned, the talent level one, when you go to, you go find a small school high school kid that's got an upper 80s fastball, he might have a zero or, you know, point something ERA because there's just guys that don't see velocity like that at the high school level. You know, and then you go to a, you know, a state like Arizona, really just a hotbed for baseball talent. Maybe you're running into better teams, but also situationally how your coaches use you, you know, like we've talked about before, Last summer, we didn't have a luxury of a really deep bullpen, so we kind of had to extend our starters at times where, you know, they would have had lower ERAs had I gotten them out of there in the fifth and gone to my bullpen guy that's going to come in and shut it down. Instead, you know, we kind of have to get them through six innings or seven innings, and maybe we're putting guys in spots where, you know, you're going to give up a couple more runs, and, you know, it's not going to look great statistically-wise, but... It's just what we got to do to get to, to get a win that night. So I never really factor in too much any sort of the ERA stuff. I, I, I try to just trust my sources and, and trust what these coaches see. And, and again, you know, they're high school guys. They're incoming freshmen. So um, we got to do our job. You know, Mike Kelly has got to do his job and develop our pitchers and develop, uh, develop our guys to that next level. Perfect game had him last summer as high as 91 miles per hour with his fastball. Again, right now he's a senior in high school, um, five tool baseball had him 90 to 92, even once touching 93 in a mid April game. So I think that provides a lot of excitement right there. Just seeing that kind of velocity ticking in there, but it is going to be something. And I'm glad you brought Mike Cali up, Mitch, because this, uh, this is going to be something fans are going to try and get to know a little bit more. You haven't had a ton of time to interact with Mike yet before, of course, the start of the season, but 
what have you learned about what his technique is going to be like with these pitchers? Um, you know, maybe it's too early for that type of question, but what kind of approach do you think Mike brings that can kind of help maybe some of these younger guys out? Because Mike is closer in age to them, maybe than he is to us, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, but <laughs> the point is he's he's recently removed from his playing career. I don't know as far as like stylistically how, how he's going to work, but just knowing lower Columbia and knowing that program, you know, they're all about putting in the work, man. You got to put in the work to get the results. And I would imagine Mike's going to have that same approach with these guys is, you know, you want to get better. You got to put in the work and, and, and he's going to be there. He's, he's fully bought into the Apple Sox and fully bought into working with these guys. So I don't think effort or, um, you know, the willingness to put in the time with our pitchers is going to be an issue whatsoever. I think he's going to have a plan with them. He's going to be able to tinker with them and, and fix mechanically whatever needs to be fixed. And, and also, you know, like you mentioned him being a younger guy, you know, he's, he's not far removed, man. He just a couple of years ago, he was throwing at West Texas A&M and, and pitching in the West coast league for Victoria. So I think mindset wise and mentality wise, he's going to, he's going to kind of get our pitchers in the right spot and, and be able to relate to them and, and and know how to uh how to approach it so we touched a little bit earlier about the challenges of being an incoming freshman uh, for Braden Boyd you know coming into college this this coming year this being he's gotten a small taste of action of course already but for the most part you know it's going to be his first opportunity full-time facing college hitters what's the biggest challenge for pitchers position players anyone who comes in out of high school and they start things off in the West Coast League. Is it the everyday grind? Is it some sort of difference in how hitters are ready to go compared to high school? What would you say is something that, you know, guys like Sam Brown and Braden Boyd are really going to have to battle a little bit and get used to with facing college hitters really for the first time? Yeah, a lot of it is just experiencing that failure for the first time. A lot of these guys coming out of high school, you know, even touching on like Iva, you know, last summer, he'd obviously played in a million showcases and against some really good competition. But, you know, just getting used to like experiencing that failure of, you know, I'm not going to be the most dominant player every day I step onto the field, whereas I was in high school and just getting used to that. And also just having that mentality and uh, having that confidence level that not only do you belong here, but, you know, you can succeed at this level. You know, there should be none of these guys should be looking up to any of the other players or thinking, wow, man, this is a big stage or, you know, these, these guys are super talented. It's no, I'm I, I'm I'm a division one baseball player. I'm I'm this caliber of a baseball player and I belong right with these guys and I can come I can come get people out at this level and I can come compete at this level. So yeah, a lot of it is just your mindset. And so I, I, I'm not worried about either Braden or Sam. I think, uh, you know, we'll obviously ease their way into it. We're not going to go throw them right to the wolves right off the bat and have them come in with the bases loaded, nobody out, and expect them to shut a game down for us. But just getting the first few outings, getting them comfortable and used to this level and and building that confidence is kind of our job as a coaching staff. You say that now, Mitch, but just wait. First game of the season in Bend. Someone's going to blow out their arm in the first inning. It's going to be okay. Braden, Sam, come on in. Bases loaded, no outs, top one. Save the ball game for us. <laughs> <laughs> With everything that happened last year on that trip to bed, I, I leave nothing off the table for something like that to mm-hmm. happen. So <laughs> I hope not. knock on wood, knock on anything, of course, there. But uh let me ask you this then, Mitch. We talk about dealing with adversity maybe for the first time for some of these guys after dominating in the high school level. 
you had situations last year, whether it was Iva or someone else who was an incoming freshman, where they, they dealt with some failure at different points, whether it was an error, maybe a couple of tough at-bats. What's your message to a guy in that in that situation? What do you say to kind of keep their confidence up? Because in a moment like that, it's probably really tough when you're – it's almost like when you first go off to college as a student in general, you start to question, boy, am I capable of just being a student in general – you know, it's hard to be away from home. What about for these kind of guys? What do you say for them to keep their confidence up? Yeah, just, you know, controlling what you can control. Um, you know, that's a big thing. But also, you know, like I mentioned, just just having that approach of these guys are not better than me. No, you know, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. There's a reason you're brought in here. You know, we're not we're not missing on guys. We're not bringing in guys that, oh, I hope this guy can play at this level. No, if anything, you should be confident and know like we trust that you are coming in and we I I personally I believe in them. You know, our coaching staff believes in them and we wouldn't be bringing you on our roster or bringing you in here if we didn't know for a fact that you can get it done at this level. So, you know, that's a big thing. And a lot of these guys, again, like I've mentioned, they've they've been around. They've been at the area codes. They've been at the perfect game showcases. You know, they're playing against top level talent all the time. So. You know, just just having that belief and just reminding yourself that you belong here. The 2023 Wenatchee Apple Sox season is right around the corner, and the best way to enjoy all the fun at Paul Thomas Senior Stadium is with season tickets. Season tickets are now on sale for as affordable as $145, and they lock in your seats to all home games from June to mid-August, and they also include all postseason games for free at no additional cost. Premium reserve seating closer to the field and with seat backs on them are also available for $245. And new this season are flex packs for Apple Sox fans. It's a valued general admission pack of $60 that gives you 10 general admission tickets that can be used at any point in the 2023 season. Single game tickets will go on sale later on in the spring, but for right now the best option and the best value is to purchase Apple Sox season tickets. Head over to applesocks.com right now to lock in your seats. So three players down on this week's roster reveal. Mitch, we're on to two more final players to ramp it up for this week, and both of them share the last name. Let's start with the first one. Yeah, let's start with the uh, younger brother first here. Let's start with Carson Olin. He's an incoming freshman at uh, UW. Man, I to say this kid had some hype around him or – you know, some accolades would be an understatement. Carson is uh, ranked as the number one prospect coming out of the state of Washington. Uh, I believe college baseball newspaper had him uh, as like the 10th best catcher in the nation, but a switch hitting catcher, ton of power, really good arm behind the dish. Uh, this is a guy to really keep your eye on come July. You know, to say he has some hype and some accolades around him is an understatement. Ranked as the the best prospect coming out of the state of Washington, I believe, by uh, PBR. College baseball newspaper had him ranked in the top 10 nationally as a catcher. So just a, a kid with a ton of talent. He's a switch hitting catcher, a lot of raw power, all the tools, all the makings of a really good baseball player. And, and one to definitely keep your eye on come July for the draft. You know, we hope obviously we have him for a full summer, but uh, would, it would not shock me to see him go in the draft uh, in a high round and uh, and and be off on his way. Really cool to have that kind of excitement. We've been it feels like boy we've had about one a week here, Mitch. Where we've said boy keep an eye on this name in a couple of years or even maybe this summer a guy who could potentially get drafted. But you're right, the hype is certainly there with Carson Owen. He uh, 
was named to the Collegiate Baseball 2023 High School Preseason All-American list. And again, think about that. That's the entire country. So that's a lot of excitement right there with him. Uh, playing right now over at Tahoma High School. Uh, they they had a 16-7 and record last year. He had two home runs, batted 426 in that time. And there's been there's also been some stuff where they've talked about his his pop time and his ability to get out from under the crouch, you know, back at the catcher position. Position uh, had a pop time of 1.94 seconds. Uh, maybe explain that to fans who aren't really sure what's good with a pop time. You know, what's what's the average number that fans can expect in a lot of ways, and what's what's a really really good number? Yeah, so pop time for you know fans who maybe don't know basically is the time that the ball is you know, first makes contact with the catcher's mitt to the time it takes to get down to your middle infielder's mitt, trying to lay a tag on that uh, that runner stealing a base. So typically a little above two seconds, somewhere around in there, kind of what you're used to seeing. But man, you start getting below two seconds in the one nines, you're a, you're a special player. You got a special arm talent. And the accuracy as well, you know, not only the pop time, but being able to put it where you want it, right on the bag uh, to lay a tag down, um, and it, it can really shut down a running game, uh, you know, and it gives your pitcher more freedom. You know, a lot of times if you guys, if you have a guy that's slow behind the dish, not the greatest arm, pitchers have to work quicker. They have to slide step and get down the mound quicker, which can just overall can, you know, affect pitches, can just affect your timing as a pitcher, your comfortability. So when you get a catcher behind the dish with an arm like that, who can really shut down a running game, you know, it just gives your pitcher more freedom to go out there and pitch and to be able to, really get behind the ball and make pitches. So Carson Carson is a special player to say the least. And uh, we're, we're excited, beyond excited to have him in an Apple Sox uniform. Yeah, Prep Baseball Report had him as the number 12 catching prospect in the entire country. And, you know, it's, it's nice to add this kind of guy with that type of pedigree to the Apple Sox. Touched on his stats just a little bit at the high school level. Right now, this year, through his first 15 games, 455 batting average in that time. He's already got three doubles, but maybe more impressively, four triples to go along with a home run. But a guy who's hitting the ball, the cover off the ball, you know, three years of varsity, 54 games right now, 420 batting average. So, um, Mitch, this is a guy who, you know, you don't like to, and we've said this before, you don't want to put too much pressure on the incoming freshman, but this is another guy who just adds to another stocked and stacked. Apple Sox uh, roster of incoming freshmen this summer. Yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of been the kind of something we've highlighted as we've released this roster, but the, the incoming freshmen that we do have obviously are going to be super talented. Uh, we wouldn't bring in a guy that's an incoming freshman, you know, if he wasn't up to that level, but we, we have some really special players going to some really great schools when, you know, when you look, when you step back and look at the roster with, Sebastian David going to Stanford and Reeve Boyd, Oregon State, MJ Sweeney at Texas. And, uh, you know, now today, Sam Brown, Gonzaga, Carson Oland, Braden Boyd, Washington State. You know, a big a big reason for that. Um, I don't know if we've touched on this, but uh, the West Coast League bumping up how many incoming freshmen you're allowed to have on your roster. Uh, I believe the number last year was four. And now we are up to 10 allowed on our West Coast League roster. So, especially on the pitching side of things, it, it, it helps to be able to grab those incoming freshmen before they've seen too many innings, you know, but in this case, we've got some position players who are flat out dudes who, who have some talent that, uh, that we've been able to snag. So it's been, it's been fun to kind of tinker with uh, grabbing those incoming freshmen. 
I'm glad you brought that up. It's something we've been talking about the last few uh, few weeks of the podcast, even the last few years uh, of you know summer collegiate baseball, maybe a little bit before you got here as well, too. It's just a lot of pitchers are being shut down after their college seasons, and they're not getting that work in the summer. So like you mentioned, it is huge to be getting that opportunity to bring these kind of guys who are coming right out of high school to come in because these college coaches really want to see some work with them before they step on campus, don't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's the same, you know, with, with us following their spring stats, it's, it's the same exact approach that these Division One schools are going to have. They want to send them out to the West Coast League or a good summer league, and they kind of want to see what they're getting into before they even step foot on campus, you know. And it's funny, sometimes you'll contact these coaches and, and they're asking for my opinion on, one of their incoming freshmen and just they, they want to know more about them because they're excited, uh, you know, or a JC transfer. I remember, you know, last uh, last summer talking with UC Irvine and they're asking me about Joichiro and what he does well and what they like. And, uh, you know, and they're straight from their coach's mouth was like, well, you know, you've seen him more than I've seen him. You know, we, we, we signed him, but, you know, you've been with them for three months. So uh, it's kind of cool in that sense to, to kind of get the first taste of what these players are before they even step foot on campus. Yeah, and it's we've seen a lot of the excitement with the stats, but I think the fun part becomes then, like we've said, with a lot of these incoming freshmen this week, what does he do once he's actually out there? We talked a lot about two previous guys who are going to be you know freshmen next fall, but right now this is another guy who's that way, but he's a hitter this time instead of being a pitcher. So nice to have the option for a catcher. Nice to have those younger legs behind the plate, Mitch, because – Catching in a high school season, catching a full high school season is certainly a little different than catching a full uh, spring college season, isn't it? So it's going to be nice in a sense. This is probably a guy who's going to get plenty of work behind the plate this summer, won't he? Yeah, he should see he should see plenty of innings behind the dish, you know, but if, if his bat is what we're expecting it to be as well, you know, he could see a lot of time at DH um, and, and, you know, and see other roles just because the bat, the bat plays so well, so. Uh, definitely gonna gonna get his work behind the dish, catching some more collegiate level arms. But a guy that's gonna be he's gonna be hard to keep out of your lineup on a nightly basis. How are you feeling about the catching position? Um, again, this is one we always like to spotlight. Everyone, you know, you would say besides the pitcher, maybe even including the pitcher, one of the most, if not most, important positions on the field. How are you feeling about how the Apple Sox are lining up behind the dish right now? Oh, I, I really like where we're at. You know, we're about three catchers deep as far as our roster goes. And I think that's kind of the right number uh, right around in there where guys are getting their work basically behind the dish every other night or every few nights. It's nice when guys, you know, we'll talk about another catcher here in a second, but when our catchers can also bump over and play another position or can swing it well and get it in that DH role, you know, kind of like what we saw last year with CJ Horn and Ezra, you know, if Ezra was hot, we'd go stick him out in left field and, and, and get his bat in the lineup. Or, you know, if CJ was hot, we'd, we'd use him as a DH and let someone else catch. But kind of having that routine of, hey, you know, Friday night I'm catching and then I have Saturday off or, you know, it's just nice for these guys. A lot of them don't want to – they definitely don't want to come out here and, and be behind the dish every single night and bust those knees up and wear down. You know, they want to they wanna have that break and that off day in between their starts. Yeah, not not too many guys, understandably, want to go into the summer and catch every single day. So it's like you said, a lot of times that ideal summer college roster has the three catchers and you kind of rotate days over the course of the weekend. One gets Friday, one gets Saturday, one gets Sunday, or you roll one a couple of days, you get another guy his start later on. Or And it all depends on their arrival times, too. To this point, prior to our last announcement of, of this week, there's only been one other catcher signed. 
And both of these guys, you know, it was Nick Putnam from UC Santa Barbara, who we talked about, hasn't had a ton of work really to this point in the spring. We have, of course, uh, Carson Owen, who's coming in out of high school, really got some good young legs coming in, which, again, we can't state that enough because that catcher position, probably more than any other spot, can really just you know bog you down and can weigh on you if you get a ton of innings and your knees are just barking at you. Yep, absolutely. You know, it's nice. that That's one position. It's really nice to have guys that, you know, are, are younger in age, but also haven't seen the amount of work in the spring that you that the regular starting guy would. So it's nice to get guys out here like a Nick Putnam who, you know, maybe redshirting or hasn't seen the time in the spring and and uh, and, and the coaching staff where they're sending them from, you know, they want to see him get his work in behind the dish. So there's no concerns of, hey, man, you're out here and he's he's playing every few nights and he's getting this many innings, take it easy on him. It's, it's the exact opposite. They want him to get his 20 to 25 games behind the dish and get a lot of work in. So I, I, we love having that. Now, one guy who has gotten a ton of work behind the dish, here we go talking about how the team's got a lot of depth and a lot of guys who've been rested. One guy who has gotten a lot of work behind the dish is our fifth announcement this week. And of course, Mitch, a good connection with Carson Owen as our uh, last player has. Yeah, last player this week is older brother of Carson Olin, and that's Austin Olin. He, uh, Austin's a catcher at Central Washington University. The big thing Austin's going to bring is a power bat, man. He, he's got a ton of power. Uh, I believe last year, I want to say he ran nine balls out of the yard, already at six, I believe, this year. Has had four in this recent, most recent series with St. Martin's. So a, a guy, man, when he gets hot, he, he can run him out of the yard. And, 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 you know, we've touched a little bit on it, but another kind of just a little more of a power bat compared to last year's team. We just didn't have a lot of that run balls out of the yard. We didn't have a ton of juice in our lineup. And so Austin's one of those guys that can definitely bring that. Uh, another catcher that can also bump over and place him first. So we may see him playing a little bit of first base for us uh, as we kind of open things up and maybe before our first baseman fully uh, come in here. But just just a good quality bat, good quality player. He's he's done us some serious damage and at the Division II level. I believe his freshman year, I believe he was a first team all GNAC guy. And last year, I know for sure he was a first team all GNAC guy. And so you you may have more info on some of that, but definitely definitely has done some damage at the Division II level. Just looking at him this season, you look at the the regular stats. You know, two fifty three batting average for him, Mitch, but. It doesn't tell the full story because pretty much since mid-March, he's been a different baseball player. I was looking at it before we got started. He was hitting 179 through his first 25 games. But since then, a 354 mark since March 17th, eight multi-hit games in there. They had a six-game hitting streak just come to an end this past Sunday, only because it was a doubleheader against Western Oregon. It's impressive enough you play both games, but... A guy who he's heating up right now as the temperatures are slowly starting to rise uh, in the state of Washington. And he's been a really nice, done a nice, really good job on central Washington so far. And like you said, a guy who's a junior right now, he's going to head into that senior year. We've talked so much about these freshmen. You still have to have these guys, Mitch, who are those upperclassmen who can come in. And, you know, maybe it's a different energy they bring compared to the younger guys. But that experience is something that cannot be understated. Definitely. Yeah. You know, you want to kind of have that fine balance between a lot of young guys with some energy and who have some spark, but you have to mix in those, those veteran type guys at the collegiate level who are upperclassmen that, you know, are going to kind of keep guys under control and, 
and just be leaders for you in the locker room and have kind of been around the block and know how things roll around here and how things go. And, you know, Austin didn't appear in any games for us last summer, but, you know, a funny story about him towards the end of the summer, Stransky, Justin Stransky, our backup catcher kind of had to take off for a week. Uh, we were down to one catcher. And so Austin Olin actually hopped on a bus and, and was our bullpen catcher up in Kamloops. Uh, didn't appear in a game, but, um, you know, served as our bullpen guy and got to meet him and get a taste for what he's all about. And definitely then when the fall rolled around, you know, he reached out and, hey, me and my brother want to play together. And uh, it was kind of a no brainer for me. Really cool how that worked and still got a little bit of a connection. It'll be nice to have him playing some home games, though, uh, this coming summer as well. You mentioned it a little bit before. Uh, first team all GNAC honors 2022. Really good season. Uh, 289 batting average, 51 RBI, nine home runs. Again, the GNAC's offensive numbers can be a little bit inflated. You expect to have to score some runs to win those games, but uh, really good work for him at Central Washington. Uh, 2021, really good year for them as well. GNAC, freshman of the year, second team, uh, all NCBWA, all region honors, first team, all GNAC again. And boy, if he continues to hit the way he's been doing recently, Mitch, he's probably well on his way to another first team, all GNAC honor this spring. Right. Yep. And like you mentioned, just heating up at the right time. And, you know, again, batting average right now hitting 250. But again, it's still such a condensed season that, you know, another another week like what he's been having, you know, the 250 bumps right up to around 300 and things change so quickly when when you're playing so many games in a, in a short amount of time like that. We talked before about guys moving from that high school level to the college level, and we've been talking a lot about guys who haven't gotten as many games under their belt. Austin's a guy who's played a lot of ball games this spring. I think there's no way around that right now. Uh, it, today, the, the time we're recording this, He's played 41 games this spring. You know, season started at the beginning of February. He's been playing since then. Situations like this, when you have these kind of guys coming into the summer, it, it always feels like you can go one way or another. They go in, played more than maybe they expected in the spring, and or are playing more than they expected in the summer, and they're just exhausted. How do you keep a guy like this ready to go all summer long? Yeah, I think, you you know, you more run into that issue with the Division One level where guys play a bunch, you know, for a division one school and they're kind of used to that, you know, there's just a little more spotlight at the, the division one schools. And then, so they, you know, they're not as eager to come out here and play summer baseball, but you get these division two guys, man, who are just, they're not playing in front of big crowds you know, they've played a lot, but they, you know, they step into the West coast league and it's just like another energy boost for them. You know, we saw it last year with Adam Fossil. It was, it was kind of a step up for him, but, these guys that are stars at that division two level are more than ready to come in and compete and play with that, that division one talent. And it almost serves as a boost for them to kind of prove other people wrong. And like, you know, maybe they got passed over or should feel like they should be at a division one school. Um, you know, that, that, that's kind of the way I look at it. They're going to come in and, and they're going to want to prove something right off the bat for you. So that that's that kind of their spark. Adam had his growing pains at times last summer but altogether had a fantastic summer. And I think that's the easy comparison for fans right here. Different positions, of course, but if you're looking at Austin Olin, you're seeing his stats and you're wondering a little bit, what can I expect out of this player? Mitch, it, the stats look a lot like what Adam Fossil did when he was at Central Washington. So for me, you almost expect a similar transition in that sense. But let, let me say this, though. This was a discussion you and I had that one of the biggest differences for Adam last year was the higher velo in the summer that he saw. Some of those Division One arms, some of those incoming Division One arms. 
And I imagine that's going to be something that Austin is also going to have to deal with. Austin Owen, how do you get guys ready for higher velo? Is that more reps in the cage? Is that a change in your approach at the plate? Because it, you're seeing different velocities at the Division II level compared to this mix in the summer of these JUCO Division One, Division Two players. Yeah, I mean, most of the time, those guys are naturally just going to – it just kind of take – like you said, the growing pains, it's just going to kind of take in their lumps. You know, just getting your timing with just the higher velo, everything's just a little bit quicker. But a lot of these guys, you know, even that, if they're Division Two stars, they're mashing some of that Division Two level pitching and – um, you know, they're able to adjust pretty quickly to that that next level up. So, you know, it's not necessarily something that us coaches are, you know, tinkering with or fixing for them. It's just if they have the natural athletic ability and, and we're just kind of instilling that mindset, mindset of speeding things up and, and just getting ready to hit in the box and, and being on time that uh, they're, they're going to figure it out. And they're, they're just got to you just got to kind of work through those growing pains and work through those little slumps. Uh, but but you see that all over the West coast league, you know, whether you're bringing in a junior college guy that's transferring to a division one, it's, it's just that next step up and, and, and getting yourself ready to hit and, and just going through those growing pains. Talking a little bit more about this catching position for the Apple Sox and their depth there. Three guys at it. Is it, what's the timing expectations for everyone arriving last year we saw you know adam fossil was at central washington he was able to make it in time for opening day it was a 10-day contract to start the season turn that into a full season contract uh carson and austin those guys be expecting early on uh, we've seen sometimes at the california schools with a guy like nick putnam he might be arriving a few weeks into the season uh what do you expect for the catching position position to open up the season how many guys will be available yeah, we'll we'll probably see Austin the earliest out of uh out of all of them. You know, him being in Ellensburg, there's there's a chance that we get to see him that first week for our first homestand. Him being able to commute over and play for us. Younger brother Carson, the the graduation thing is different. Where most of those guys have to wait till after their high school graduation. So you know, the Reeve Boyds, the the Sebastian Davids, the Carson Olins, uh, they might be filtering in kind of mid June, uh, depending on kind of when their high school graduates. Um, you know, some might be June 9th and I think Sebastian's June 15th and Carson's a little later. Um, and then Nick, Nick Putnam, obviously, as you talked about, the California guys always are on quarter. So they're rolling in a little later, but you know, we'll, we'll see a chance with some other 10 day contracts at the catching position. We we will definitely see Austin probably first out of, out of the three guys we've signed. Worth mentioning to fans. I'm sure they, they were thinking about this. You mentioned that the high school players have to be in after they've graduated from high school. And someone might be saying, wait a second, you were just talking about Braden Boyd pitching before he went to college last year. That was a non-league game last year, so those rules don't apply. That's the beauty of the non-league games, Mitch, is there are no rules in that sense. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you could get out there. You did get out there last year, and you had an at-bat. <laughs> so still looking for that, for that first uh, first hit in an Apple Sox uniform for Mitch Darlington, maybe this summer. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if. Uh, I don't know if I got it in me to get out there and, and take another AB. But the non leagues are nice, man. They're they're good to see some local talent and, uh, you know, good to see your own pitching staff guys that maybe need some innings or need to get a start under their belt. Uh, they're great for that. But yeah, you know, like you mentioned, the rules don't apply for those games and West Coast League games. We unfortunately have to wait till some of these guys graduate to to see them in in action. One of the nice things, though, with the Apple Sox is the way the non-league games shape up, and they're all in a, a three-week span. Uh, they'll be here, and then they'll be gone. <laughs> you know, it's not like last year where there's one early on, one in the middle of the season, or one or two in the middle of the season, one at the end. 
it's June 19th through July 3rd. All four of those games will be played in that span. But the first one, June 19th, that's the third week of the season, Mitch. So that could be an opportunity for some of these newer guys. We're talking about whether they're coming out of high school and they've got to get in a little bit later or they're on these California and the quarter systems for college. They're arriving a little bit later. Some of those non-league games, the, the Monday, June 19th, the June 23rd through 24th, those could be some good opportunities for guys to step in because, as I'm sure – you're very aware that stretch of June 13th through 24th, there are no off days in that span. So it could be an opportunity for some guys to get some work there. Yep. Those are, you know, those are the ones you kind of circle and, and you make your plan for with your pitching staff on who needs some more innings. And, and again, like you mentioned, guys, you want to see, I remember, you know, last summer, you know, having that Northwest stars come into town and we had some new guys showing up the day of that, for me as a coach, it's a great opportunity to get guys I want to see more of or see what they can do in another position uh, to kind of bounce them over there and try something out and, and then just get a feel for what I have with my roster and, and what I can do with it going forward. Yeah, we've touched on the non-league schedule before, though. June 19th, first ever game between the Apple Sox and the Redmond Dudes. Uh, Northwest Star Academy in June 23rd through 24th. Last couple of years, Northwest Stars had the Apple Sox number. They're three and two against Wenatchee, so don't discount those games just because they're non-league. And then, of course, a fun one to wrap up the non-league schedule, July 3rd, a fireworks night as well. So, Mitch, that wraps everything up for this week here. Five new exciting additions. Again, we kind of talked about this last week. Coming down the stretch here, we're looking at at least I think two or three more podcasts coming up where we'll be talking about this, but the roster really starting to take shape now. Yep. You know, definitely having an idea of who's coming in and uh, our main core of guys that we're expecting, you know, and then from here, it's, it's just kind of figuring out who's arriving at what time and, you know, and what uh, 10 day contracts we need to sign, you know, just as a reminder that that first week, you know, it's, it's a lot of guys, maybe names you're not going to recognize from different local junior colleges or local schools that, you know, are kind of just filling in on 10 day contracts for us until some of these guys we've announced arrive, but always fun to still see them and, and see, uh, you know, maybe some of those 10 day contracts end up being full contracts and, and, and still some great talent that'll be there that first week. How confident are you in how this team's going to start this season? I think it's worth bringing up because, you know, last year started out 12 and 15 in the first half. And frankly, since I've been with the Apple Sox, the first half has always been a worse record than the second half. <laughs> How do you get off to a hot start to begin the year? It's it's a, it's a challenge everyone faces. Yeah, we're all kind of in that same boat. You know, it real a lot of it is just finding good quality ten day contracts. It's it's a it's one of those things that I feel like you can really overlook, but you can For me, I can't be lazy with it. I got to really do my homework and and really find some local good players that I can get into Wenatchee that that come play for me for a couple of weeks. And that's really a, that's a big part of it is just find recruiting good guys that can be here from day one and and uh, and be ready to go. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough schedule to begin the season. You look at that the first three games with the Ben Delks on the road, a few games after that with Victoria, a team who was they were a playoff team last year, and then a couple of other road trips in there that could be a little bit challenging, including playoff rematch, of course, with Kamloops. So imperative, really, to to start the season off as hot as possible, but. Uh, we'll have to see what they can do. It's it's fun seeing those 10-day guys early on because, like you said, they're really fighting for that role. And in a couple of weeks, we're pretty much our whole week's release is going to be just about 10-day players. So I think fans are going to enjoy that from the sense that those are the guys we'll be in immediately. You'll recognize them immediately. I wonder sometimes, Mitch, when we do these 
and it's a guy who doesn't show up until mid-June if people forget about them. You know, we, we, we touch on everyone who comes to the team. I wonder sometimes, though, you know, it's June 20th and, you know, like last year, Jake Putnam makes his debut. Granted, he was a late addition to the team, but I wondered a few times last year, people were like, who the heck's this guy? And it's like, no, 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 we, we brought him up. We knew he was going to be late. This was just as scheduled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm the same way. It feels like it takes so long to get these guys in, and then after the season ends, I'm like, oh man, that's right. You know, the the Matt Hallbacks they didn't even show up till you know June 19th, June 20th. But you know, it just feels like the wait with a wait for some of your big name, big school guys. It, it just feels like it takes forever. But it, it's all a part of it, man. It's all a part of the the fun of uh, the West Coast League. Do you remember that weekend? It was Bellingham when we played Bellingham at home. Do you remember how much that roster just changed? Enzo Apodaca came in. Matt Hallback came in. Jake Putnam came in. We didn't know it at the time, but he became a huge part of that team. Ezra Sam Perry came in. I mean, it was a brand new team in a lot of ways. And it was a lot of guys who had those starting roles. Things kind of changed up and it was a battle for those positions because of the new guys getting in. Yep. Yep. It felt like the roster from the, you know, we played Bellingham six straight days, but it felt like the, the roster from the last game at Bellingham to the first game at home, it was like writing a completely different lineup card. It was just night and day difference. And it was like, whoa, we're, we're, we got some new guys here. huh? There's about that, what, three to four weeks, sometimes five weeks span in the season where you're just, you're loaded up. And I mean, you almost have too many guys on the bench. There's not enough seats for everyone, not enough bats for everyone to get swings in and everything, but it is a nice challenge to have in the middle of the season, I think, for you, in contrast to how the season starts and how it ends. Yeah, yeah. It's just that you, you start off thin, then you're heavy, and then you go back to thin. It's just that thin, heavy, thin, it feels like, where, you know, that's just kind of the way the rosters work in the league. Yeah, I always say that, you know, the fireworks night every year, July 3rd, it's the best night because you get some of the best crowds, but also that's usually when the roster is really at its peak and everyone's in a, a good rhythm. So that, that's a fun yeah. part of it. Mitch, thanks for the time here this week. Five more exciting additions, and we'll talk more next week. Absolutely. Thank you, Joel. Thanks for tuning in to the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast. If you enjoyed it and don't already, please subscribe to get updates on our newest episodes. Make sure to like the Apple Sox on Facebook and follow at Apple Sox on Twitter or Instagram. Wenatchee Apple Sox Baseball, celebrating summer one inning at a time.